This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week, in our Tech Trends segment, I will be speaking with Mike Vesky. Mike has been delivering training for and consulting on Microsoft products for 20 years. He is currently certified as a Microsoft Azure Administrator and Security Administrator for Azure and Office 365. Mike has worked his way up in IT from being a technician, building PCs, to engineering on-premise networks, to project management. He first certified in 1998 on MT4O, worked briefly in telecom, and currently is working as a lead technical trainer on cloud technologies like Azure. Welcome to the show, Mike. I'm so happy to have you on. Well, it's great to be with you, Jennifer. Thank you. So let's get started. Why don't we start with um, having you share um, just a little bit about your technology career journey, um, you know, what that path looked like? Uh, sure, yeah. Pretty much started in graphic arts way back, I guess, the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And uh, mostly in graphic arts. I was doing a lot with Mac machines and then uh, not a lot of money in graphic arts, so I went in and took a night course for civil engineering. That got me into uh, CAD CAM, so mostly in the computers, which got me into networking. And back then in the late 90s, it was kind of like, you know, uh, I guess it was an operating system called PC Moss, which was kind of like dumb terminals connected to a uh, compact server. And of course, that got me into Novell, which got me into Microsoft. Microsoft got me into training. And pretty much from that point, it was a uh, going from you know technician, engineer, uh, project management, and then kind of folded back to when I used to work for uh, a training outfit. And uh, after 9-11, when I kind of lost a lot of contracts, I pretty much went back to my uh, training certification. And from that point, right, pretty much <laughs> it's history now. Yeah. But probably the last 10 years I've been uh, pretty much in training. That's great. I mean, quite quite a robust uh, technology career yeah. uh, <laughs> that you have. Um, so when when did you know that you loved technology? What age were you? What was that spark? What was that moment like? Uh, probably right after I, uh, you know, got certified and uh, kind of had a passion for technology to begin with. So uh, mostly it was working with a lot of people I did in computing. But as far as that, you know, coming forward, I'm pretty much just uh, working a lot of certifications mm -hmm. with Azure mostly. 
recently. <laughs> wow, yeah. So, uh, so you're really focusing on the cloud and, right. uh, and Azure. So tell me a little bit about what is cloud computing versus regular computing? Right, well, mostly you can think about it as, uh, they, they use it like a, a terminology called on-premise. So mm -hmm. mostly was thinking about uh, uh, companies that would pretty much have a presence, but it would be locally. So they would, uh, you know, put a lot of money out in hardware and administration technology. And then kind of even going back, like I said, from uh, I guess the early 2000s when uh, they mostly talked about, you know, private internalization of computing. And then I guess somewhere around 2013 where Microsoft started going into the cloud, instead of offering, let's say, hardware they would just offer services, so it became like you know software as a service, and pretty much anything that would they fold back into the company to save money, right? They would just eliminate the hardware, which might have actually eliminated a lot of the IT jobs at the time. But going forward, uh, companies pretty much looked at that, right? Saving money uh, mm -hmm. based off not eliminating IT, but just you know consolidating the services together. And then if you kind of go back maybe five years with uh, Microsoft, uh, their their whole license model changed too, right? They were pretty much trying to you know, sell the software, but then uh, the companies, instead of, you know, purchasing hardware, they would actually just, you know, purchase licenses. So everything became like software as a service, platform as a service when you talked about web apps or uh, even the big change, uh, even from my perspective, when I was a technician, you know, we'd be doing a lot of things on premise, but then uh, as things changed, you know, come around like, you know, 2013, 2016, uh, everything kind of, you know, went to the cloud and then you get a lot of questions about what is the cloud? It's essentially instead of having your services on premise, you're doing what they used to call co-location. Instead of having your hardware on premise, you would co-locate it to another, you know, company who would have, you know, a data center out there, and that's where you'd be accessing your resources from. But then co-location kind of went away, and then it was just, you know, just putting your services in the cloud. And there was a lot of competition between, you know, Amazon and Google and Microsoft over that. Over the last couple of years, though, Microsoft's been offering a lot more services and pretty much gaining a lot of momentum in the cloud. That's great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Um, great um, comparison between yeah. on-premise and in in the cloud, and it's also a huge cost savings for uh, enterprise organizations to move to the cloud and not have to worry about upgrading their hardware and their software on a regular basis. Correct? Oh, exactly, exactly. Essentially, what they call the hybrid, like mm -hmm. again, mostly traditional. Uh, IT would be on premise. Everybody would come in. You know, VPN inbound. All the storage and data was on premise. And uh, mostly with the advent of you know where Microsoft now is, uh, you know what they call you know government compliancy. So the same thing they use to protect themselves, they pretty much resell to other services. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the whole elimination of let's say uh, one of the biggest things was if it wasn't cost per, you know cost prohibitive to uh, you know move what they would call lift and shift their workloads on premise out to the cloud, then it would see an immediate savings. And uh, mostly what they would call the hybrid benefit if you had, you know, your uh, let's say you had your, you know, physical hardware on premise with your uh, server licenses and then you want to, you know, you can virtualize that on premise. But the simple thing with virtualizing on premise is you're still dealing with the hardware and the IT. So what happens is you start moving that up to the cloud and you eliminate all that, uh, you know, uh, management and maintaining all those services on premise. And then I think it's like up to like 38 percent or something. If you just take your licenses into the cloud, yep, it's up to 40 percent. So by you know eliminating the uh, administration on premise and moving it to the cloud, where really all you have is just the virtual machines, and uh, you, you know bringing your own license up, you save uh, forty percent overall. And then there's other things where if you have the budget to pay forward, they have what they call you know reserved instance, so you can actually you know move your 
uh, virt you know, move your physical machine to virtual, then move it up to the cloud, save 40%, I'll just bring your license with it. And if you have the budget to like pay forward, then you can also save another 38%. Uh, otherwise, it's like a, a structure as pay as you go. But mostly what I'm finding is if, it, you know, if it's not cost prohibitive and, you know, somebody's actually doing the work where they might even say in the first month of moving to the cloud, they've seen, you know, a, a, you know, a drastic savings. And that's usually what I hear a lot. Yeah, that that makes sense. And um, what we're finding, like you said, if you're not, uh, you know, in the past, IT administrators would spend a lot of time managing and um you know, keeping up the technology on premise to make sure that it's functioning and really more of a maintenance type, break fix type um, right. environment. And now they can be repurposed to use to be used for a lot of other tasks and projects rather than just trying to keep the equipment alive. Right, and with that, that's also the the paradigm shift in IT is where a lot of the high level uh, things that they used to do on premise have kind of been eliminated, which is you know. In, in doing virtualization in the cloud. Like in other words, you'd have to have your routers and switches and everything on premise and set up your all networking with the IP addresses. Essentially, it's just a template in the cloud where you're filling out a form and you hit go. And next thing you know, you have a whole virtual environment in the cloud and then mm -hmm. just start dropping your resources in it. So what they're saying is a lot of the, uh, you know, the, uh, what they would call like an IT consultant doesn't really, you know, come into play anymore where they talk about just like a generalist, somebody who would just have basic knowledge can actually do what the high level consultants used to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, are companies and organizations worried about security in the cloud? Oh, for sure. Yeah, that was the thing about the whole uh, with mobile computing. I always talk about like, I guess if you go back to like 2007, uh, mostly I think about exchange, right? Email. When mm -hmm. a lot of companies had, you know, uh, they had their, you know, iPhones and their Android phones back then, and they wanted to, you know, connect them to the uh, internal infrastructure. Well, that brought that brought in a lot of, con you know, con you know, uh, security concerns where they would have to now have a different scenario and uh, where they, you know, started talking about bring your own device or the company would have to, you know, uh, control that device. So that was really where even, uh, you know, during the Obama administration when he had the Bluetooth or was mm -hmm. it the uh, BlackBerry, right? No, they were mm -hmm. talking about how secure and secure that might be, and that brought in a lot of that. Uh, mobile device management. So that's been big over the last decade then also. Very interesting. And, and mostly the data. I always talk about, you know, I can reset your password, I can get you a new device, I can reinstall the application, but I can't get back your data. So it's always been the data is probably the most uh, important when it comes to like, you know, encryption, security and stuff like that. That's very true. And uh, I think backing up and keeping that data at your fingertips is so much easier in the cloud than it is um, on premise, correct? Uh, yeah, you ever hear of like, uh, what was it, Mobile Iron? Those uh, mm -hmm. the cloud services that, you know, you could actually start backing up your on-premise data out to the cloud for disaster recovery. Mm -hmm. And that, that stuff was early on too, right back in, the, I guess, what, uh, beginning of uh, 2010 and stuff, or even at right. the beginning of the century. Yeah, wow. I remember uh, OneDrive Consumer, right? There was, I mean, there's a slew of storage providers now, which is just interesting. But you really have to look at them. Um, as to whether, you know, what compliancy, like if you're HIPAA compliant or like, you know, financial organizations, you really have to look at those providers to see if they actually have that type of, uh, you know, regularization going on in their service. Right, right. That is critical because there's so much data today. <laughs> uh, everything is connected, right? I mean, right. our lights, our doorbells, <laughs> our refrigerators. Oh, my God. Right. I couldn't believe it. I was yeah. out to, uh, uh, was it Lowe's the other day? And yeah, they have the Internet access on the refrigerator, which is like yeah. you can order right from there. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's our new world, right? Yes, right? So what changes that you've been in technology for a long time, Mike? What what 
changes uh, do you see uh, in computing over the years? Well, some of the you know standards and procedures, like I know, like I said, the subnetting, learning subnetting has always been there. It's just whether you're doing it physical or virtual. Mm. But really, it's I think based off the type of devices now people access with. I mean, there are so many devices, and they talked about even the internet running out of IP addresses because you know a lot of families have up to like you know five, ten devices. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just you know tablets and phones and PCs, and uh, and now they have what Internet of Things. So you have all kinds of uh, like you were just talking about the refrigerator. Right, that's mm -hmm. like the, the Internet of Things, where everything's connected to the Internet, and it's just getting crazy. So it that, that is. Kind of, where technologists, you know, sometimes they'll say that you know, convenience can become a cumbersome, right? Because we just have too many things that make it convenient. But then, to understand the technology behind it, I think that's where it becomes a little bit uh, more of a concern. Yeah, and you know, with data now, we're seeing artificial intelligence. Oh yeah. We're seeing machine learning. I mean, there's just, you know, in addition to IoT, there's just so many other things that are coming um, to become more prominent in in our day today and in the future. So we really have to kind of be very ready for change because it's right. changing constantly. Now, um, how has remote access and virtualization changed computing? Uh, again, that kind of goes back to the advent of like right, right around 2000 when uh, it was like terminal services. When terminal services came in where we had remote access, it really changed the way that people would you know, do IT. You didn't have to travel out to the site anymore. You can just remote in. Uh, you know, The mobile workforce became more mobile because, again, you can access things remotely. And uh, so remote access to me was really where some of the paradigm changes were in, in the way IT pretty much changed the way they worked. And then after that, it was consolidation within the data center virtualization. So you could have, you know, more services in a smaller footprint. And then, you know, based off virtualization, which was a savings because, you, you know, you purchase less hardware, you'd have less IT, is just, you know, and then the hybrid came into play where, you know, cloud services came in. So they, they would, you know, some companies would still think about, you know, that heart in the throat moment when you start moving your data on-premise out to the cloud. Mm -hmm. So a lot of companies might still keep the data on-premise like their databases, but then start moving their web services out to the cloud. So that, you know, to the to the end user, you wouldn't even know this was happening where, you know, you're hitting a website and it's actually on Azure. But, you know, the data center might be behind there uh, based off a hybrid going to on-premise environment. And I, I find mm. that to be more true than not. But it just depends on the company and how they want to do things and, you know, what their bottom line they're looking at. So you see a lot of hybrid environments where it's a combination of hybrid uh, of on-premise and in the cloud. Right. And because it kind of pulls together with remote access and then. You know, being able to access things on your tablet or phone rather than having to be at home on your PC. So that was a big change. Mm -hmm. And then, when, you know, it just kept going further that way now, where I find, you know, it's kind of 80 20, where 80% of the workforce might be, you know, remote. You may not, you may not even ever meet these people. Mm -hmm. So all you really have is policy now. And right. then you're thinking about, uh, you know, uh, not just them accessing, but now there's all kinds of things in Azure for like monitoring. So, like you were talking about behavioral and machine learning, which is kind of built into the system. So depending on where they're logging in, how often they log in, right? How long does it take them to log in? Where are they logging in from? All these things are being built against a database. And I've mm -hmm. always said that, the, you know, like you just mentioned, uh, uh, you know, I always thought thought that databases run the world. You know, the data is being saved everywhere nowadays. Mm -hmm. So with, uh, you know, them building a machine learning uh, behind you, it becomes easier now for you know uh, actual companies to actually track what's happening in the system, or what they would call like shadow IT. So there's people out there doing things that may not comply to your policy, but machine learning and behavioral analytics, right? The longer that's in play, we can actually get those metrics back and then start learning how people, you know, use the device, how they log in and make ourselves more secure, which 
a lot of that never existed on premise before. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's really interesting. We're also seeing a um, hybrid of different clouds that organizations yes. are using. So it's not just Azure, not just AWS, or not just Google. We're seeing a blend based on the services that they need. Are you seeing that as well? Yes. Yeah. I mean, most of the with the uh, like they were talking about like software as a service. You might have noticed mm-hmm. like all these insurance companies. You go online to do all your stuff. There's a uh, like the uh, my Verizon and AT and T, they want to go paperless, right? Everything they want everybody to pretty much digitize everything. Right. So it's really forcing everybody to go into the cloud, and like you were saying, all the data is up there. And sometimes, you know, based off a lot of things we hear about, you know, even sometimes they're not as secure as we we would hope. Yeah, yeah. So, um, how is mobile devices changing computing? I know they're getting much more prominent. Right. Uh, we we see, you know, our customers when we send them emails and those types of things, about 70, 75% of them are opening those up on a mobile device. Right. So how is that changing computing? Uh, well, essentially, uh, again, I think it's, I don't know if it's because of price point or because it's another thing that companies can, you know, uh, save on now is what they were calling, you know, bring your own device. People would come in with their own device, attach it to their network. It would be a cost savings on the company. But on the other side, it might be more of a security concern. So there would be like choose your own device where companies would say, okay, we support iOS, Android, and Windows, but only at this version because we know it's secure. Mm-hmm. So that forces the workforce to become you know, more aware of their, uh, you know, their habits, let's say. So with that being said, then they you know, added in biometrics. Like you talk about Windows Hello, when they put in that passport, and then you can have you know, your fingerprint, retina scan, voice printing. So all that stuff, all the James Bond stuff that you thought of, you know, with the science fiction in the past is now reality now nowadays. Reality, yeah. <laughs> right. So it's really Very fun. True. Very, <laughs> yeah, it keeps changing. Yes. Um, so, you know, you have tons of certifications. Uh, you've uh, focused a lot on cloud technologies. Uh, how do you keep your skills relevant? How do you keep current on what you need to know for training your classes and just, you know, uh, being relevant because it's changing right. so fast? Right. Yeah, this Microsoft, too. I mean, they're always coming up with something new. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it is hard to keep up. I always had a thing like even, you know, 10 years ago, I always wondered, like, if somebody jumped into IT now, where would they actually start? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> right. there's so much to learn, right? So I can, you can, like I said, if you're a developer, you're probably focused on, you know, Visual Studio.net or, you know, if you're on Linux or something like that, uh, those type of languages. So I guess it depends on when you're going to be a developer, IT or support. Uh, but for me, as being a, uh, uh, in technology with Microsoft, I pretty much have access, right, to their, uh, their channels. Mm-hmm. So as an MCT, I have the news group, so I can always see what's coming, what's new, uh, you know, I'm not always uh, an a- you know, I'm not always an advocate of like being leaving on the bleeding edge. Like you mm-hmm. know, some some guys like to invent the technology as soon as it comes out. I'm not, I'm not so much that, but you know, I'll keep I'll keep abreast of everything new. But then, like I said, it's hard to keep up. But with mm-hmm. me as being certified, I have a lot of uh, like I said, the news groups and they send me the emails and you know, you can go up on Twitter. Twitter's a big resource now too, where there uh, a lot of the uh, you know Microsoft people are just posting what's new out there. So, so you just hard. have to always have your ears and eyes open, right, right. in all these different channels because they come from everywhere. Right. Um, and having, you know, we're talking about devices. We see a lot of, um, I know myself, I have multiple devices, my laptop, my phone, my tablet, you know. 
um, and I'm sure you have multiple devices. Mm -hmm. How um, how do you balance like when to shut down and when to? I mean, it feels like we're on 24/7 all the time. Right. What are some of your tips and tricks to stay balanced and make sure that you're not um, hooked to technology 24/7? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, <laughs> I was because the thing. Yeah, I used to like uh, my my you know my girl pretty much does cleaning. So she when she comes home, she's I hate cleaning because it's my job. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> kind of same with with computing. I don't really game and I don't touch computers much outside of work. But mm -hmm. then again, yeah, you get stuck with like looking at Facebook and Twitter on your phone. But then again, you you know you try not to do it so much because it you know affects your sleep patterns. And I try to you know regulate uh, my training to maybe be a couple hours at night. But not to mm -hmm. you know to like totally take over my life, but sometimes it does. <laughs> so yeah, that is yeah. hard to also regulate. Yeah. No, very interesting. Well, Mike, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, and uh, hope to have you again in the near future. Sure, it was great talking to you. Thanks a lot. Stay tuned for another exciting interview just around the corner. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it in-person, virtual, on-demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Welcome back to Tech in the Right Direction. This week in our Women in Technology segment, I will be talking with Diane Smeagol. Diane is president and founder of Palladium IT Advisors, a boutique Scottsdale-based executive search firm specializing in leadership and technology recruiting for early stage, mid-market, and high-growth enterprise clients in the Southwest. As a former management consulting executive in four global firms and CIO in financial services, Diane brings a unique perspective to her talent search and advisory work as she has either held or hired every position that Palladium has recruited for clients. With hundreds of successful placements, Palladium is considered the go-to firm in the Phoenix area for technical and C-level leadership talent. In recognition of this success, Phoenix Business Journal names Palladium IT Advisors a top 20 executive search firm for 2018 and 2019. Welcome to the show, Diane. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks, Jennifer. It's a delight to be here, and I look forward to our chat. Great. So let's get started. Um, can you share with us a little bit about your career path in technology? Absolutely. Um, when I look back at my career, I actually see a career in three acts, um, if you will. Uh, the first act, and each act is approximately 15 years or so, plus or minus. Um, the first act was a traditional IT leadership path, 
I started out as a developer right out of college um, and progressed in that act of my career to the CIO role in a large financial services company. Uh, second act um, was uh, general management uh, leadership positions in professional services and technology consulting organizations and um, several different organizations that I was with. And the third act uh, is my current company, which I launched 10 years ago, um, which is a, um, a recruiting search and advisory firm. I specialize in um, finding top leadership talent for high-growth companies and advising CIOs of those companies, uh, CEOs and CTOs of those uh, in those companies as well. Wow, what so a great path! That's the three Fs. <laughs> what a great path! What a great journey! Um, so you know, becoming a developer real early on. Is that when you found out that you had a passion for technology, or was it before that? Well, um, my entering into the field of IT was really before uh, it really had matured, and, and um, most people didn't know anything about it. I mean, I, I had multiple offers out of college. I was a math major. What does one do with them? major in math. I started graduate school in statistics, um, but I was attracted to several offers that were uh, in large companies that were training um, software developers. Now, we weren't even called software developers at the time. Um, the, the term was computer programmer. So I'm dating myself a little bit, but that's probably important to kind of set the stage. So I, I was in a, a computer programming training class um, that, interestingly enough, was half females and half males. Um, this is way back in the day, um, and it was a pretty competitive, uh, you know, class to be uh, to be invited to uh, to participate in, but my particular experience was half male and half female. So I started out of the gate not really being super conscious of the, um, the tech world, uh, gender um, gap, and um, waiting on the, on the male side. That, that didn't come into play until actually many years later. Mm-hmm. Well, that is really interesting. You're definitely an early adopter of technology. And um, I am very uh, happy to hear at that time, at least it was a 50-50 male and female split. Unfortunately, those numbers are declining and uh, we are in a different place today. So uh, tell me a little bit about your feelings about, do you think women, women have the same opportunities as men in our industry? Right. I'm happy to talk about actually one of my favorite topics. I've spent a lot of time um, really trying to understand the diversity challenge and the gender and racial gaps um, in our industry. Um, and one thing that's interesting to note is I did find a statistic that backed my own personal hypotheses that when I started out, it was actually um, – a different situation in terms of the the percent of the gender um, the gender spread. Um, the statistic that I found 
uh, cited the percent of females in IT roles actually peaked in 1992. And it peaked at about 32-33% and has been trending down consistently since then. And now the statistic is something around uh, low to mid 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the operative point there is that the trend is down, mm-hmm. uh, not up. Um, in spite of all the emphasis on STEM careers uh, and, and whatnot. Now that's partially due to the large increase in the number of of professionals that are actually involved in in technology roles. So that has something to do with it. And and one might argue that the num- the number of females may have even increased, um, but the large increase in in the total population uh, was um, populated uh, more by um, by males. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't personally encounter that situation until um, I was in more senior leadership roles, and uh, certainly by the time I was a CIO, um, you know, it was uh, I was typically one of the onlys, you know, at the table mm-hmm. when I went to in- industry meetings, or there were two or three, you know, other female, uh, you know, IT leaders. But mm-hmm. the air was 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 pretty uh, was pretty thin mm-hmm. um, by the time I was just getting out of mid management into more more senior leadership roles, uh, and definitely when I when I was the CIO, um, you know. It, it, I think at the time there might have been maybe five percent of CIOs were female. Uh, this would have been back in the nineties. Um, uh, I think the percent hasn't moved too much from that. I think now it's maybe six to eight percent. Um, and the CTO role is much less in terms of um, uh, attracting females. That that is a, typically in a more technical company and a more technical role, um, less focus on the business side and more focus on the technology side. And and the statistics there are absolutely abysmal. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it's... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I was I was just going to say that you know in terms of having the same opportunities um, as men in the tech world, the higher you go, the harder it is, and the you know the the thicker the ceiling is. Um, that just it doesn't even it go, that goes way beyond technology. That that's true in in general in terms of of sea level leadership positions, um, the distribution across gender um, and, and racial categories. Um, you know, in some aspects of tech, you can make an argument that it's performance based, um, but at the end of the day, the top leadership roles—that's uh, where you know politics and uh, good old boy networks come into play. Uh, you know, still today, that it's going to be a long time before that is neutralized. I completely agree. I think, you know, as the the as you get closer to the C-suite, it gets really harder for women to break that that gap and get in into that network of people. So we have to continue to work uh, together to find opportunities to do that so that we can have more women CTOs um, in our industry. Now, um, 
As a woman yourself in technology, and I know it's been, you know, uh, different in the beginning where it was pretty equal and now it's changing. What are some of the challenges you have faced and how did you overcome them? Um, you know, two situations leap to mind in, in my career, and I'm sure these are common to uh, females in leadership roles uh, you know, in the tech space. Um, one is, um, it goes back a ways, but uh, it happened so many times that, uh, you know, it, it, it became a, you know, a common story, is when I was meeting with vendors or uh, even customers or other individuals, along with members of my leadership team, um, often the parties that we were meeting with would just jump to the conclusion that, that one of the males was the top person in the room and I reported to them. Mm -hmm. um, and that created a number of embarrassing situations mm -hmm. for vendors, um, you know, over, over the years. But, you know, if that just happened once, I, I could, you know, just brush it aside. But I'm sure other, other females in, in leadership uh, roles um, encountered things very similar to that. Um, another thing when I was uh, at the, actually at the CIO level and attended the, um, uh, you know, executive offsite meetings with, uh, within my company, which was in the financial services industry, you know, there were, it was a very large company, there were 100 top leaders, I was one of the 100, um, uh, I was the only one from the, the technical discipline, but there were other females in other, you know, disciplines, obviously HR is the one that comes to mind, but in, in some of the other functional areas, in operations areas, the particular company I worked for, um, had a decent for the time um, you know, number of, of female senior officers. So one of the things that, that uh, you know, kind of stands out from those offsite meetings is the, the female leaders in the company, we really enjoyed each other's company mm -hmm. and didn't get a chance to spend much time together. So, you know, during breaks and, and even, you know, during, uh, you know, casual meals uh, at these off-sites, um, six or seven of us would get together and either have lunch together or, you know, just engage in a conversation. And that always created some kind of commentary. Oh, there's the sewing circle. Oh, there's the sewing bee. Oh, what's up with you girls? Um, you know, and, and, you know, looking back at that, I mean, it's just bizarre to think that if, if three or more female executives are having a conversation, that it would it it would create that kind of a, a response. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, this is back in the '90s, but I I'm pretty certain that things haven't changed much, and the needle hasn't moved much. I agree. I think I see a lot of the same things. You know, as a woman in technology and meeting with high level technology, uh, C-level folks, um, a lot of times if I go in with my salespeople, they will believe that, you know, they're the manager and I'm the salesperson, just like you said. Uh, eye contact is very different once I give them my card and they understand that I'm the president of the company. It really is very interesting to see that dynamic. And I, I don't think it has changed much. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's sad to think this many years later, we're still battling some of the same things. 
Right. And and it's not a function of people not being introduced. It's a function of people comprehending and hearing um, what they're hearing that matches whatever their perception is. You know, I, you know, the example I gave, I was always introduced by my title, but at the end of the day, that just went right over people's heads and they made their mm-hmm. own assumptions. It, mm-hmm. it, it is sad, which is one of the reasons why I've become, you know, very involved in, uh, in the whole diversity um, space and uh, also even in my search practice, do a number of diversity-oriented searches, which is very rewarding for me. That's great. That's great. Now, um, you know, men come with a certain set of skill sets that give them advantages uh, in the business world. What do you, What do you think are some of the advantages as women? What do we bring to the table? What What can um, What do we do better? And having that collaboration with men and women, we balance it out. <laughs> right, right. You know, I mean, if, if you believe in, in, you know, some level of DNA differences between males and females, um, I would say that given uh, the cultural uh, norms today and the importance of collaboration and teamwork, um, working across the aisle, if you will, with you know, with with other functional leaders, um, that should give females a leg up. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could say I've seen evidence of that, um, mm-hmm. but in, tr- in truth, I haven't. Um, and I think it varies a bit by industry. Um, you know, certainly in you know software and technology companies, I think it's a little bit harder. Uh, Maybe a little bit easier in the financial services industry, but but the the ceiling is pretty thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there still has not been a female CEO in, um, in any of the major banks in the mm-hmm. U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and that's getting a lot of press right now because there've been a few decisions re- recently where CEO roles have opened up with a uh, a contender, uh, an internal contender female um, mm-hmm. contender uh, that was passed over. Mm-hmm. So there's, I think, I think there's some, some backlash on that, but my time in the financial services industry, um, you know, again, the, the reality of uh, making your way in the man's world as a, as a female leader didn't really come on my radar screen until I moved from mid management to more, uh, more senior management roles, mm-hmm. and then certainly when I was in the top role, you know, it was it was very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Now there are t- there are today in the CIO position. I usually count them when um, mm-hmm. CIO magazine issues their their uh, their annual um, the list of, of CIOs in the, in the top whatever whatever two hundred five hundred firms. Um, you know, it's it hasn't gotten into the double digits yet. You know, mm-hmm. I think you know it it it, it moved up. You know, eight percent, nine percent, maybe. I haven't seen the recent stats. Maybe you know it's hitting ten percent. But um, the last time I did my little analysis, uh, it was still in the single digits. Mm-hmm. So we we've still got a ways to go. We definitely do. Um... So what advice would you give to a woman who's considering a career in, in the tech industry? You have so much uh, great experience, expertise. You've gone through the journey in many different formats. As you said, the three acts. Um, 
somebody who's thinking as a woman, you know, our listeners wanting to consider a career in technology, what advice would you give them? Well, first of all, I think it's a fabulous uh, career opportunity. Um, And, you know, I, I, do and will continue to encourage um, young women to go into um, various aspects of of tech roles. Now, you know, there's a very broad spectrum of, of, of different roles. Not all of them uh, require having coding skills, um, although that never hurts. And I would I would say that that anyone that's serious about a tech career would be well served by spending a few years as a developer, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then, and then perhaps moving to, uh, you know, some of the positions where you're closer to uh, the business um, and the operations teams where maybe business analyst or scrum master or project manager or whatever. Um, but the other advice that I think is very important is um, take advantage of the opportunities that, that come your way and work to create them where where possible. I can remember my, one of my first, um, not the top, top leadership role, but I was number two uh, in a large financial services IT organization. And my boss wanted me to take over the IT operations group. And that mm-hmm. scared me to death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, I had come through the asset side, and then I was acting as kind of the chief strategy and planning officer for this large IT organization. But the truth was, I did not have uh, any hands-on experience leading infrastructure or IT operations. Mm-hmm. So part of me wanted to say, ooh, uh, that's not me. Um, but I didn't listen to that little voice. Uh, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I uh uh, embrace that opportunity, and I think that might have been one of the best decisions I ever made is is to take advantage of getting out of my comfort zone. And boy, that was out of my comfort zone. I mean, I had a staff of 400, mm-hmm. um, almost exclusively male, um, and um, you know, really was not aligned with my prior experience at all. Now, that doesn't mean that that you know it was it wasn't easy to get up to speed and and become. Uh, become a good leader and bring the typical leadership uh, skills to the party, which were sorely needed. But part of that little voice inside me um, wanted to say no thanks, um, because that really, really was outside my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So part of my advice uh, would would be twofold. One, you know, well, threefold. You know, you know, get broad experience in in the tech space, not not o- only as a as a developer, not only as a BA, not only as a project manager, but stretch yourself, um, and even out of your comfort zone. So that's number one. Number two is advice I give everybody, and and that is really start to build your network and really having a network around you is very critical to uh, career planning, career development, and, um, and, and, and success. And people think networking is, um, people don't understand what networking is. And, and my, my definition of networking is, you know, looking for ways that I can help people and also learn from them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'd always advise young young women and uh, basically any anyone in 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 the job market to you know really work on building a network. Um, you know, part of which can end up being your own kitchen cabinet that you can turn to for advice when needed. <laughs> Um, but al- but also different kinds of people with different skills and different experiences that you can learn from. That's great advice um, to create opportunities, you know, initiate those opportunities when you can embrace change and build a network. And boy, you do all of those amazingly well. Um, I I felt scared when you were offered that position when you just told me about it. So uh, that was such a brave <laughs> move and and just jumping in, embracing that change and saying, I can do it and not listening to our voice, you know, like negative Nancy or whoever that is in the right, background yeah, telling you exactly. you can't do it. Uh, I love that. So, you know, your success definitely comes from your confidence, your um, leadership skills, and, you know, creating opportunities, building a network, and embracing change. That's great, great advice. Um, So, you know, technology is changing so dynamically, and it's a struggle to keep up. What are some of the best practices you have to keep up with technology or keep your skills current? Um, well, I, I would be uh, disingenuous if I tried to suggest that my technical skills were coming, <laughs> um, because I mean that you know for me that's that's um, you know long, that things in history. But that that, that can I code? Hell no. Um, do I know and understand and uh, appreciate the trends in technology? Absolutely, that's essential. Um, I read, you know, prolifically, um, I don't read technical journals, but I read business use of of technology, um, you know, innovation, transformation. Um, I'm, you know, very involved in in that sphere. So keep reading, keep learning. Um, And, you know, in terms of the search practice that I run. I obviously um, have to have some, you know, credibility to be able to interview interview CTOs and, and CIOs. So, I mean, I have to, I still have to talk their language. So, you know, it's, it's from having people around me that, that I can reach out to. Again, that's the networking issue. Um, and, and reading prolifically, you know, everything from the Phoenix Business Journal to, you know, the McKinsey um, Quarterly to, you know, CIO Magazine to, you know, other, other, you know, technical Gartner um, magic quadrants. It's, mm-hmm. it's just absorbing a lot of information and being able to synthesize it, um, but not going, you know, deep into the weeds. Um, right. Those days for me are long gone. Right. No, and I love that you, you know, the publications that you mentioned are really focused on your industry and your business and the audiences that you serve so that you are then well well read or kept up to date and relevant on what's happening in there because you know technology there's just so much you can't learn everything you can't focus on everything there's no way but i i love that you really uh you know zoned in into focus areas that make sense for you and then read and do everything you can to stay current absolutely 
All right. Well, uh, Diane, in closing, what three words would your friends use to describe you? Um, yeah, the, the, the dreaded three words. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I did have a chance to think about that because if 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 that if you popped that at me just out of the blue, I probably would be a hard you know, yeah tongue tongue tongue. Um, but I I came up with three C words, uh, hmm. um, and they are caring, coach, and connected. I love that. Those are absolutely how I would describe you. Uh, and I've known you for a little while now. And boy, you are really connected. You are caring. And you definitely, you know, have so much experience and expertise that as a coach, uh, you are amazing. So I, I definitely would agree with those three words. Well, Diane, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, thank you again for your time. Uh, this has been great. Uh, thank you both. And uh, it was great fun. And now an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve one million dollars in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast.